0: You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. I really hope that if you serve God in any way, shape, or form, that you are really blessed by this word today, that you are honored by it. Um, this is uh, to inspire you. This is to, to thank you. You know when you're doing a job, you're doing something for God and it's been a while and you kind of wane a little bit? You know, you get like serving fatigue or something like that. I don't know what they call it. I don't know, don't know what the proper term is. Let's call it serving fatigue. You know, you've been doing the same thing over and over and over and you're like, all right, time for me to go and get another job somewhere or do something else. Um, I just hope this injects some fresh faith and some fresh life. Into you today as well. Um, and of course, if you're thinking about getting involved in our vision in any sh- way, shape, or form, this is really going to help you to make that decision as well. Um, so that's good. So this is not just about Sunday services as well. This is uh, really about our whole vision and what we do. Um, Sundays is just a, it's just a pocket. It's just a fraction of what we do, you know, because we're not just a church when we gather. We are the church out in the world. You know, we take and advance the kingdom of God wherever we are. Um, it's just that when you get to, you know, we call this, you, know, you come to church or you come to service. Um, when you get here, this is just an opportunity for us to love each other, to serve one another. You know, those people out there right now who are looking after your children, you know, like they're, they're just like, every week I go, oh, thank you, Jesus, for kids workers. <laughs> Thank you, God, for these amazing people who will love my children, you know, and I get to experience God. I get to hear the Word. I get to, you know, really enjoy as well. Have we not sent the kids out yet? Did I not do that? I didn't do that, but they've all gone anyway. Great. <laughs> Great. Yeah, so good uh, that they all went of their own accord. Excellent. So I'm going to read from, Eli- from 1 Kings chapter 18 today, and... Um, 1 Kings chapter 18. So if you bought your Bible, jump over there. It's going to be on screen as well. And I'm going to read uh, a, a few verses, verse 1 then verse 19 and 20, then verse 30 to 39. And, um, and don't worry when I'm, when, when I'm reading this because I am going to link it in masterfully to the theme of the day. Don't worry. Okay, good. Here we are. Ready. 1 Kings chapter 18 verse 1. After a long time in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah, go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the land. Okay, so it's the third year of the drought. There's been no rain for three years. It's the third year of the drought, or well, it's some, somewhere in the third year. So jump down to verse 19 and 20, and Elijah is now meeting with King Ahab, and this is what he says to him. He says, Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table, right? So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel, right? So, yeah. That, that happened. That would have taken a fair while. Scholars say it would have taken up to two weeks just to get the word out to, so all the representatives from Israel could appear, could meet at Mount Carmel. Up to two weeks. So there's like two verses there, but a lot has happened in that time, right? So let's jump down to verse 30. Now this has happened, this is just after all the prophets of Baal have set up their, 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 their offering to Baal and they've been celebrating and dancing and, and, and because what Elijah said is, well, whoever gets fire to come onto their, onto their offering, well, that is the real God. Whoever gets fire, if guys, if you can get fire to fall on your offering, then we will follow Baal. But if I can get fire to fall on my offering, then we all have to follow Yahweh, the true God, right? So all the prophets of Baal, and they're dancing around. And Elijah's, Elijah's like, maybe he's gone to the toilet. Maybe, he, uh, maybe he's somewhere else. Maybe, uh, maybe Baal is asleep right now. You might, might have to do it a bit louder. So they're dancing, and they're, yeah, yeah. And they start cutting themselves. Like, they're cutting themselves. Well, come on, maybe he'll hear us if we cut ourselves. And, they, and Elijah's like, all right, all right, you've had your turn. Now it's my turn. Then it says, Verse 30, then Elijah said to all the people, Come here to me. They came to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. There's like a whole, you know, if you've if you've got that the altar of God that's been removed in your life, you need to repair it. There's a whole message in there. Elijah then took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes, descended from Jacob to whom the Lord had come, saying, your name shall be Israel. With these stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench around it, large enough enough to hold two seas of seed. That's about 11 11 liters. He arranged the wood, cut the ball into pieces, and, and laid it on the wood. And then he said to them, fill four large jars with water, and pour it on the offering on the wood. Do it again," he said, and they did it again. Do it a third time," he ordered, and they did it the third time. The water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, "Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, sorry, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command." Answer me, Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, He is God, the Lord, He is God. Wow, such a good... Scripture right here. I love how it says, you know, it, uh, they, the fire consumed the stones and it also licked up the water. I'm not worried about the water. The stones aren't there anymore. The fire was so strong. The stones are... I, I would expect the water to be gone. Anyway, that's good. That's good. So what causes people, because we're talking about volunteers, I'm talking about the heart of a volunteer, the volunteer heart today. And I want to kind of answer this question, is what causes a person to give their life to God? You know, not just to come to Christ, but but to then say, God, I want to give you my life. I want to serve you with my life. I want to give you my disposable time. I want to give you my disposable income. I want to give you, you know, I want to give you my heart. I want to give you my all. What causes a person to turn up early and set up you know, set up things for, 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 for services like this one? What causes people to say, I really want to mind other people's kids so they can be in the service? What causes someone to say, I want to clean down seats and, and set up morning tea and, and, and pick up other people's rubbish? What causes people to do that? What causes people to go, I want to go into the school in my own time and, and talk about Jesus to kids and all of the above? I think it's because, firstly, volunteers, they always rise to impossible asks. They always rise when there's an impossible ask that's, down there, that, that's, that's been given. And in, um, in verse 33, I love the impossible ask that Elijah gives. And he says, fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and the wood, right? Now, let's get a bit of context here. There's been a drought for three years, No streams on Mount Carmel. There is nothing. It's a long walk to the Mediterranean, all right? From where they're standing right here, this is an impossible question. Fill four large jars with water. Now, we don't know exactly how many people were there, but we do know this. There wasn't a stream. There wasn't the ability to walk all the way to the Mediterranean and back. He's saying, right now, fill four large jars with water. So where did the water come from? Now, this is, this is not you know, explicit in the text, but the water would have come from the people, from their own personal supply. So these people have just, well, they're, they're displaced. They've just moved up from home and said, well, we're being summoned to Mount Carmel. So get everything, grab the kids. We're gonna go. Here we go. We're going. Can you imagine that? I can't imagine it. But my four children. Okay, Josie, we're going to Mount Carmel. It's a long walk. Ah! I, can't, I just can't, can't even imagine the kind of uproar that we would have. You know, like when we drive to Sydney, the kids are like, uh, "How much longer is it going to be? Are we there yet?" Blah blah blah. You know, let's go to Mount Carmel. How long is it going to take? A couple weeks great uh tom and jed you guys are carrying the water oh you're awesome let's take the donkey now we're going to take some seed as well because there's no grass anymore that's all dried up you know like this would have been a major deal and families would have brought enough water so that they could get this is an arid place to live so they could get to Mount Carmel and back. So Elijah is saying, "Okay, we've got the altar ready. It's ready to go. Uh, hey guys, now uh, let's fill up four jars of water." And I'm, I, I could just imagine people going, "Why? Because we're going to pour it on the offering." Okay. <laughs> it's the worst possible time to be asking for water. The worst possible time. The, so water right here in this point in time is is their most precious commodity. It is their most precious commodity right here. And Elijah's asking for it to, to just to kind of, you know, he's just going to show off in front of the prophets of Baal. Look, well, look what we can do even if the offering's drenched. What are the people thinking right now? It makes me think, what do I do when there's an impossible request? What do you do when there's an impossible request? When someone says, hey, uh, we need to do this thing. What do you do? Because I tell you what I do sometimes. I go, well, let me just tell you about boundaries. <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to work out how to balance my life better. So, and, and, and legit, like, like last year, God was like really teaching me how to say no. He was like, you need to say no to some things. You got enough on your plate. You need to start learning how to say no. And so I'm like, oh, all right, no worries. But that sounds really, really good. Let's do that. Yes, that sounds really good. Let's do that. Yes. So, uh, and, and God's like, you now need to say no to some other things so you can fit time in for the things you just said yes to. I'm like, right. So I believe in balance. I believe in boundaries. I believe in, you know, in saying no to things. I, I, fully, I fully believe all that. But there comes a point at which we have to make a decision. Am I going to be a living sacrifice? holy and pleasing to God. Am I going to lay down my life for God or am I just going to promote safety and security all the time? Because passion sometimes has got to override balance. There's got to be a point at which, at, at, at which the wisest thing to do is to sacrifice greatly. Sometimes wisdom and sacrifice are the same thing because the best thing i can do for god right now is to give my all. You know, like we just we we've come to this really safe, politically correct place in 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 our in our culture and we're pushing some things that are so healthy and so good, like boundaries, like balance, like making time for your marriage and your children and all those things. I I I wholeheartedly agree and believe in that and i'm going to keep saying no to things. But sometimes when there's an impossible request, we have to ask ourselves the question, am I going to be safe or am I going to be sacrificial in this? What are we going to do right now? Are we going to be safe or is God calling us to be sacrificial? Like Damien and Simone, amazing people. (laughs) Incredible. Like, Simone is now overdue for her baby, right? She's here, but she's overdue. So she had every possible reason to go, I'm not going to church today. Everyone will understand. And we would have. We would have been like, well, she's 40 weeks, right? Plus. And then some. And they just taken on a new team. And a new connect group. And you could be thinking, well, that's unwise. That's not very, well, what, what are they thinking? Well, I think that they're, they're just being sacrificial. When you have a baby, you don't have to have 12 months off to cruise. You know what I mean? Like, we're just going to work out the flow. Sometimes the wisest thing to do is to, is to just be sacrificial, is just to go head first. <laughs> that's not a baby joke. Uh, but maybe it could be. Okay, all right. Yeah. So Elijah, here, here we go, because this, really, this is really good. So Elijah's not just asking for water here, okay? He's not just putting the bucket around, he's, literally. He's not just putting some four, four large jars around, okay? That's not just what he's doing. What he's doing is he's inviting people to participate in a miracle. He's inviting people, how about you give something that's your most precious commodity right now? because God's about to do something and you get to be involved. I just love that the people rose to the challenge and that's what I love about you. That's what I love about us. Whenever there's an impossible challenge, like we need more kids workers, come on everybody. People go, yeah, I could do that. I can spend a season of my life helping out with kids ministry. You know, We need more connect group leaders. Yeah, we can do that. We're going to rise to that challenge. We're going to take up a love offering for this couple. Yeah, we can do that. We're taking up an offering for this ministry overseas. Yeah, we're going to rise to that challenge. We're going to help this family or this, or this single mom move house. Yeah, we can do that. You know, this, this couple over here have just had a major incident. We need, we need a whole bunch of meals. Yeah, we can do that. You know, I love how we rise to the challenge. I love how we continue to rise We continue to rise. You know, arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you, right? I just love it how it it seems like it's embedded in our culture right now, that when there's a problem, we rise and we help each other. And that is what it's about. Because when we serve and we give and we sacrifice, you know, fire falls on that. You know, this morning, across our campuses, we have celebrated 224 people who give and serve on a regular basis. Like that's that's huge. That's a lot of volunteers. A lot of people who are rising and they're, they they've just decided I'm going to serve God with my most precious commodity, my time, my my effort, my my investment, my money, my strength, our family. We're going we're going to invest with our most precious commodity. I love that people do that. And and you know what? The impossible ask that we, that we kind of subtly and sometimes not so subtly say to us, the impossible ask is that you would give your life fully to Christ. That you wouldn't just have a relationship with God, but that you would give your life wholly to God, completely to God, you know? And and why? It's, it's, so, it's because of the miracle that we're being invited into, you know? And one of those miracles is salvation, you know? and And... and your, your sacrifice is a setup for someone else's miracle. Your, your, your serving is a setup for somebody else to get healed. Your sacrifice is a setup for someone to get saved. Real people getting saved, that's the goal. Real people getting healed and breakthroughs, that's the goal. You know? But it takes a family. To make it work, it takes the sacrifice and the and and the, the the commitment and the time and the most precious commodities of the whole family to set it up for someone to get saved for someone to get healed, for someone to get financial breakthrough, for someone to get provided for, for someone to get, you know, to, to get a touch of God on their life. It takes a family of people who are all fitting in, who are all working together, who are who are just, you know, giving and giving and giving and turning up even when you don't want to turn up because you're 40 weeks pregnant. You know? It just takes people who are just going to turn up and give so that they can be invited so we can be invited into this thing called a miracle, and someone can receive it. And I already said it, but I want to say it again. I'm not just talking about serving in a, you know, in a capacity on Sunday. All right. Um, but I also want to say this because this is the other side of the coin: is that this is a good place to start. You know. Yeah. We. You know. Sometimes you might go, "Why would I join that team?" Well, it's because of the culture that it starts to set up in your heart, because then you start, well, then you're, firstly, you're in a position of accountability, and that's good for your own maturity, and then you're also in a position of, well, you're now having to give and love other people around you, and that's a great culture to be setting up in your heart. Do I think that serving on a Sunday needs to be your your, your whole gamut of your Christian service to Christ? No, (laughs) but it's a really good place to start it's a really good place to begin because of the culture that starts to form inside your heart. And then I'm, not long, I'm no longer just living for me and for what I can get out of it, but I'm learning to live for Christ and I'm learning to live for others. And that's a big deal. That's a big deal. So volunteers rise to the challenge. I literally have five minutes to go and I've only started my second point. Plus 10, I've got plus 10 minutes? So good. All right, here we go. Point two is that volunteers are sacrificial and willing and generous. You know, a heart that is filled with love will naturally give and will naturally sacrifice. Okay, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. For God so loved that He gave. If our hearts are filled with love, naturally we're going to give naturally we're going to be sacrificial. It's just, a, it's just the overflow. You know, I can imagine the, 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 the people who are, you know, standing there as Elijah is making the first call. Okay, fill four large jugs with water. <laughs> You've got to be kidding, man. <laughs> no, that's a joke, right? It's not a joke. He's not joking. They're actually, t- they're, they're bringing around the, uh, I'm not giving any of my water. He just said he's going to pour it on the offering. Are you, are you kidding me? And someone else is like, the man of God said it, so let's do it. All right, let's do it. I'm giving my water. I'm going to give all my, maybe not all, maybe just most. Yeah, okay. You know? Others others are like rationing their water after they give it. They're like, okay, well, I'm just going to give a tiny bit. That'll do. Yeah, that's enough for me. You know? Others are like, well, I've got to save it for the trip back. Other people are like letting the bucket pass because they already gave online during the week. You know? (laughs) And like, that's, that's what I do. I sit down here and the buckets go past and I'm like, gave online during the week. Bless you, Lord. You know, week after week. And I'm thinking all you are going, he never gives any money into the offering. <laughs> so every now and then I'm like, I better put something in so people know that I give, I tithe. You know, like, that's what I do. That's what I do. You know, but I love the people who gave the first round. They're like, yeah, let's do it. Quick to sacrifice. I'm in. Let's do it. No worries. The people who gave the second time round, they saw what happened to the first gift. They saw what happened to the first four large jugs of water. They just poured it on the offering. Are you joking? I'm still giving. I'm still going to sacrifice. God's going to do something. And then, the, and then, the, the, then Elijah makes the third request. And these are the really hardcore, committed people who totally trust God for everything. And they're like, "Yeah, I'm giving it all. There you go. Living on the edge, baby." you know But these are the ones who are totally believing God is going to do a miracle right here. They can see the bigger picture. They can see, you know what can happen right now? What can happen is the entire nation has an opportunity to turn back to God, I'm giving everything. There's a time and a place to give everything. People with a generous heart, they just they see they don't hold on. There's not this poverty thing about us where we're struggling to give something because I'm worried about future provision. A person of generosity is able to release what they have because they're trusting the Father for future, for their future supply, for future provision. The heart of the volunteer is generous, releasing, honoring, blessing, willing, sacrificial. Lastly, what happens when we rise to these impossible challenges and we love and we give sacrificially? Last point, fire falls and miracles happen. So here's a crazy thought I want to leave you with today, right? A a physical act can activate a spiritual release. A physical act can activate a spiritual release. Serving physically in response to a request or an impossible ask, it involves you in that miracle, but then it actually releases something spiritually at the same time. So I want to jump over to John chapter 2 for a second, because in the New Testament, there's, uh, there's an opportunity here for another miracle to happen as more jars are filled with water. You know where we are? Okay, we're at the wedding at Cana, John chapter two, right? And, uh, and, and they'd run out of wine. And that was so embarrassing for, for the couple getting married. It was embarrassing for the families, but they totally run out of wine. And so Jesus' mother gets involved and says, Jesus, fix the problem. And Jesus is like, woman, why do you involve me? And she, and she says to the servants, do whatever He tells you. And Jesus is like, okay, here we go. First miracle. And He says in verse seven, Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. And then he told them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realise where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and he said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you've saved the best until now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which He revealed His glory and His disciples believed in Him. I'm sure the servants had no idea what was about to happen. Go and fill some jars with water. All right. And off they go. They fill some jars with water and they come back. This is Jesus' first miracle. There hadn't been a miracle for 400 years that we know of. And for the servants, this is just a physical act, right? This is this is—they're not sacrificing anything. They're probably getting paid to be there, you know, some kind of wage. But but they are just—they're just doing the thing that they're told to do. They're just doing a physical act. No real sacrifice here. Let's fill out some jars, draw some water, take it to the master. Fill us some jars, draw some water, take it to them, whatever. Okay, we'll do what you say. No problems. You know, sometimes it can seem like, uh, well, I'm just doing a physical act here on a Sunday. I'm just turning up. I'm just straightening some chairs, cleaning some toilets. You know, I'm just setting up for this thing, pulling down from this thing, cleaning up other people's mess, looking after, you know, the pastor's crazy children. You know, that's what they're doing here. Sometimes it can just feel like there's just a physical thing going on, right? Come on, be honest with me, right? Sometimes you turn up because you're, you're rosted on and you're like, I'm rosted on, great, superb. The beach is pumping, but I'm rosted on. All right, I'll turn up and I'll, I'll do my thing. Well, so were the servants. They were just doing their thing. Little did they know that they were also being invited into a miracle. They got to see the impossible happen in front of their eyes. So here's some truth to get your head around, right? Fire falls on sacrifice. And miracles happen in real life to real people. And here's another cool thing, is that the fruit that is born from your sacrifice, that gets credited to your account. Do you hear what I'm saying? So there's some parables in the Bible that talk about eternity. And, And what you do here to serve Christ with your life will impact how you spend eternity. The level at which you spend eternity depends on the level of your commitment and your sacrifice and your giving today, in this life, you know, this isn't just like a test. This isn't the pregame. This is the game. This is it. This is life. And sometimes we can go through life, spruiking, you know, boundaries and balance, and uh, we'll hang on a minute, wisdom saying no. And, and I'm an advocate for all those things. But there comes a point at which you, you and I, and many of us do it already, we go, you know what? I'm laying down my life for the cause of Christ because that is the bigger picture. Because that's the greatest miracle. Because I could give my life to nothing greater than this. And the fruit that's born out of your sacrifice gets credited to your account for all eternity. You know, every single one of you who loves people, who serves, who gives, who sacrifices, who cares for others, who makes meals, who minds children, you know, who helps people move house, who prays, who includes others, who leads people, who blesses other people. Every one of us is involved in the Father's business. Every one of us is involved. No matter how you feel like you are or not, you are. We're all involved together in this thing called the Father's business. You know, every time you prepare morning tea out there or you love a child in kids ministry or you do the AV slides up the back there, guys, you're serving God. You're advancing the vision. You're advancing the kingdom. Every time you meet with a cap client or you mentor a rush youth, or you do Scripture in school, or you pray for a stranger, or you talk to a friend about Christ, or you love on your neighbor, or you get a word for a family member, or you, you help disciple a new Christian, or you lead a connect group, or you help out someone in need, you are serving God. You are, you are doing our vision. You are advancing the kingdom of God on this earth. It is not wasted service. And you know what happens to those who serve Christ is that fire falls on your sacrifice. Fire falls on sacrifice. It happens. It's the way of God to move on what you give Him. No sacrifice is wasted. No gift, no time, no talent, no money is wasted when you give it to Christ, when you give it to the Father. He will always use it. It's what he does. So, today I want to honor every single volunteer, every single one of you who serves on a Sunday or through the week, every one of you who is praying for your neighbors, or you turn up to a connect group, or you drag your kids to church, you know, when they don't particularly want to go that Sunday, you're like, it's what we do, guys. It's who we are, it's what we do. We're a part of this family. Everyone who gives of their time and their resource and their emotional and mental commitment and investment into this house called victory. You are involved in miracles that you'll only find out about on the other side. I can't wait. I can't wait for people that I don't know to rock up and say, hey, um, you released a leader to go, uh, to go once And then they planted a church or they were leading and then the the, the guy that they led to Christ led me to Christ. And so thank you. I can't wait to have random conversations in heaven with people I've never met on earth because of the, the way that I lived or the way that I gave. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.